Um, so the verses are, if you didn't catch that, two, chapter 2, verse 6 is where we're starting. Um, open up your booklets as well if you want to do that. Um, take some notes. If you've got your pens, that'll be great. Um, but I'm here to tell you some bad news. And I don't want to freak you out too much, um, but I'm afraid that I have no choice. Um, most of you here are suffering um, from a viral, highly transmittable, um, reoccurring, reoccurring, debilitating disease. And it's estimated that, that one in three of you are suffering. Do you know what it is? It's called FOMO. Who has heard of FOMO? FOMO stands for the fear of missing out, and it's essentially a panic that overcomes someone when something exciting or interesting is happening somewhere else, and you're missing out on it. Now, FOMO has many causes, um, travel, fashion, parties, milkshakes, and most of these are brought on by social media. You open up your Insta and all of a sudden you're bombarded by all of these experiences that you're not having and all of these things that you just don't have and you feel FOMO, the fear of missing out. FOMO is a real thing. But did you know FOMO can drive you from Jesus? This section that we're going to look at today is going to show us four things. It's going to show us Paul's recap of all that we've heard. It's going to show us the risk of FOMO that the Colossians were in and that we're in. The remedy for FOMO that Paul gives the Colossians and finally the response that we need to have. And if you guys can hear and get all of these things, it'll set you up for life. I mean that. Because today, we're coming to the heart of the letter. Everything that we talk about tomorrow is going to flow out, about, out of what we talk about today. And everything that we've been talking about so far has been leading us up to this chunk. And so Paul starts with a recap. You can see that there in verse 6. Now, verse 6 and 7 are the, are the verses you have on your team shirts. Read these, this with us. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. He uses the word, so then. It tells you that He's going on from what He said before. So then, because of all that I've said, so what did He say? Well, on Thursday, we saw that we're in touch with a worldwide, divine, life-changing movement. And yesterday, we saw her in touch with the one who is supreme over everything. The ruler, the creator, and the sustainer of all things. And Paul says, so then, given all we've seen, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Now, I'm going to stop just there. Because the next bit flows on from that. He says that the Colossians have received Christ Jesus as Lord, which is exactly what a Christian is, someone who has received Christ Jesus as Lord. We saw yesterday the reality of who Jesus is. He is Lord. But not everyone in the world accepts that. In fact, there are two places that every single person in the whole world are in. They're either living with Christ as their Lord or they're living with themselves as their Lord. 
And there are two places that you can be. You can be someone who has received Christ Jesus as your Lord, or you can be someone who's living with yourself as Lord. Now, someone who has received Christ Jesus as the Lord is a very different person. They're someone that's given up control of their life to Jesus. They don't decide what's the right thing to do. They listen to Jesus. They don't decide what is important in life. They listen to Jesus. Now, they don't always do what Jesus wants, but they want to. They want to please the one who died for them. Is that you? Have you received Christ Jesus as Lord? It's a big deal, right? You're letting someone take control of your life. You're letting someone else decide how you live, what you do, what things you can and can't do. You're letting someone else be the Lord of your life. But firstly, we saw He is the Lord of your life, whether you receive Him or not. He's the one that rules over everything, that created everything, that sustains everything, and that includes you. He is the Lord of your life because He made you and He keeps your heart beating. To live without Him as your Lord is to close your eyes to reality. And secondly, we saw He's an awesome Lord. That not only is He the one that rules, creates, and sustains all things, He is the one who died to bring you back to himself. He is the one who suffered the penalty that you deserved so that you don't have to. You see, none of us have lived with Jesus as our Lord. We have all rebelled against him. But rather than giving us what our rebellion deserved, he took it on himself. If We now just receive him as Lord. He is an awesome Lord. If you haven't accepted him as your Lord, my prayer is that this morning you would. There's going to be a time at the end where I'm going to give you a chance to do that. And so listen in again and see more of who this Jesus is. And decide if you want in. Decide this morning. But for us who have received Christ Jesus as Lord, what's next? It's great to have received him, to be reconciled to him, to be brought back to him. But where to next? Well, Paul tells us. Have a look at that verse again. So then, given all we've heard, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Where to next? Nowhere. You don't go anywhere else. You continue as you started. You received him as Lord. Now continue to live with him as Lord. But Paul realizes, right, saying that brings a risk. That's the second thing to see. Have a look at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. The risk is the Colossians would get taken captive, that they'd see what the people around them were doing, that they'd hear what the people around them were saying, and they would be taken captive, that they'd think 
They need to do more to be in touch with God. The first thing going on around the Colossians was this thing called super spirituality. Come with me over to the page for some of you to verse 18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They puffed up with the idle notions by their unspiritual mind. There were people who were claiming to be really in touch, to have connections to angels, to be seeing visions. And the Colossians were looking at themselves and they're like, we've got a book. The Bible. That's it. The second one was the spiritual masters. Have a look at verse 21. These guys were saying to the Colossians, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. They were like the monks of Colossae. They seemed like spiritual masters, like they were in touch with God. And the Colossians just had regular lives. And the risk was they'd be taken captive, that they'd join in with those around them, with their visions and their spirits and their strict obedience, all in an attempt to be more in touch with God. But why is that such a big deal? It's not like they're giving up Jesus, right? They're just doing more. Why would it be such a big deal? Well, because it says something about what they think about Jesus. It says he is not enough, that they need more. If they really want to be in touch with God, they need to do these things. It says they don't trust Jesus. And it's like this. It's like going in a supercar along the freeway at 110 kilometers an hour. You're heading in the direction. You're going to make it. It's going to be easy. You're cruising. You've got no problem. And then the person next to you turns to you and says, Mate, we need your efforts. We need you to push us to get us faster. And if you listen to them and you put your feet outside of that car to push it, to help it get to where it's going, you know what happens. You'd get wrecked. You'd get torn up. You'd fall out of the car and get run over by the car behind you, all because you didn't trust the car to get you there. And that's what Paul was worried the Colossians would do. They were in Christ already. They were in touch with God, heading to heaven, cruising along at 110 kilometers an hour. He was worried that they'd put their foot out, that they needed to do something more to be in touch with God and they'd get wrecked. I want to get, get this real clear. I want to do some quick maths with you guys. Jesus equals everything. We saw that yesterday. It's obvious he is supreme, but... This is really important to get. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Because if you add to Jesus, you lose him. You put your feet out of the speeding car, you take your trust from Jesus alone, and that was the risk. That they would take their trust from Jesus alone. And so, Paul gives them the remedy. It's the third thing to see. Have a look at verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. He reminds them again of who they're in touch with, 
At the start of verse 9, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. They are in touch with the one who has the fullness of God. Jesus is God. He is the creator, ruler, sustainer. It isn't just anyone that they've been brought to. It's the supreme one. The one that we can stand in awe before. And if you have received Christ Jesus as the Lord, you've been brought to him too. But he wants to build on the things we saw yesterday. He wants to show them what it means for them to be in touch with this Jesus. And so you see at the start of verse 10, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. When they receive Christ Jesus the Lord, when you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, you are brought to fullness. Being brought to fullness means three things in this section, and we're going to track through each one really quickly. Fullness of fellowship, fullness of forgiveness, and fullness of freedom. The first one, fullness of fellowship. Have a look there in verse 11. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Now circumcision was the mark the Jews had to show that they were God's people. And Paul is saying that in Christ we have been circumcised. We have become God's special people. And in a way that not even the Jews were. Read the second half of that verse with me. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. For the Jews, circumcision was just a symbol. But for us, something real happens. The flesh is put off. The thing that God hates is cut off. Everything that makes God look at you and think gross is completely gone. Nothing gets in the way of your relationship with God. For me, my mom looks at my room and thinks gross. She likes me less because of my room, I reckon. If I clean my room, I would easily be my mom's favorite child. Heads and shoulders. With God, there isn't a single thing in you that makes him like you less. With God, there isn't a single thing in you that makes him like you less. Not because you're actually perfect, but because in Christ, everything that God sees as gross is put off is completely removed. In Christ, you have fullness of fellowship. The second one, fullness of forgiveness. Have a look in verse 13 with me. When you're dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. God made us alive, and he forgave us all our sins. Notice the tense of those words. They're both in past tense. We have been made alive. He has forgiven us. If you are someone who has received Christ Jesus as Lord, all of your sins 
have been forgiven. Past, present, and future have been taken away and nailed to the cross. In Christ, you have fullness of forgiveness. The third one, fullness of freedom. Have a look at verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, we don't get spiritual forces much, but they are real. The Colossians knew that. And Paul is saying that Jesus smashed them on the cross, that he made a public spectacle of them. We don't have to fear them anymore. In Christ, we have fullness of freedom. Now, that's Paul's remedy. He wants to see what it means to be in touch with the Jesus we saw yesterday. Then in Christ we are in touch with the fullness of God, and so in Christ we have fullness. Fullness of fellowship, fullness of forgiveness, and fullness of freedom. And so the last thing to consider is the response. Because if you are someone who is in Christ Jesus, you're at risk too. Just like the Colossians. Because the Christian life can seem so ordinary. When we meet up, we read this book together, we listen to someone explain it, we sing, and every single talk is going to end with the same application. Read the Bible, pray, evangelize, keep coming to church. Every study ends the same way. We should be obeying Jesus more. We should be reading the Bible more. And all the questions for all of the studies are the same. It's always Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. During the week, we read this book, we pray and we try to follow Jesus, that's it. And so, we can be taken by FOMO. Surely there's got to be more. If we want to be in touch with God, surely there has to be more. If you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, there isn't. You've been brought to the supreme one over everything. And if you have been brought to him, you have been brought to fullness. Fullness of fellowship, fullness of forgiveness, fullness of freedom. Even when you don't feel it, in Christ you have fullness. Here are three ways I think we're at risk of moving on from Jesus. The first one, when the seeing is no longer as good as it was on fat. When you don't get that tingly feeling when you sing, when, or, the, or even that deep emotional experience, the risk is you'll think that means you aren't close to God anymore, that you're no longer in touch. No. If you have Christ as your Lord, you have fullness of fellowship all the time, even when the singing isn't great. Because if you have Christ Jesus as Lord, you have fullness of fellowship with God. Have a look at this article. This is a real thing. The two keys for entering God's presence through music. What's wrong with that? We don't come into God's presence through music. We come into God's presence through Christ. He brings us there. If you have received Christ Jesus as your Lord, you have fullness of fellowship. You don't need music to bring you to God. Second, when we sin big. When we sin big. 
The risk is that you'll feel shame, that you feel like God can't still love you. No. If you have Christ as your Lord, you have fullness of forgiveness. All of your sins have been forgiven. Past, present, future. You don't need to do anything. Jesus has paid it all. Think about it. The one who rules over everything, who created everything, who sustains everything, died to give you forgiveness. You have been forgiven. You don't need to get into God's good books again. To try would be saying that Jesus' death is not enough. And it was enough. You'd have to wait a certain amount of time before you come to God. You don't have to pray a certain prayer to come back to God. You don't have to behave good for a certain amount of time to come back to God. No, you have been forgiven. In Jesus, we have fullness of forgiveness. Here's a quote from a site. What's wrong with that? problem is we have been forgiven it's already happened Christ the supreme one has died in our place we don't need a priest to offer anything we have fullness of forgiveness the last one when life goes really badly when things are falling apart and nothing is going well The risk is that you'll think it's a sign that God doesn't love you, that you aren't close. But no, Jesus died for you. And if you have Christ as your Lord, you have fullness of fellowship. You are safe in him. And there is comfort that he is with you. He will comfort you through whatever you're going through. The God of the universe is by your side. If you have Christ Jesus as your Lord, you have it all. In him you have fullness of fellowship, fullness of forgiveness, and fullness of freedom. But I want to finish by talking to the ones who don't have Jesus Christ as their Lord. Yesterday we saw who he was, the ruler, creator, and sustainer of all. The one who set the stars in the sky and the one who is keeping your heart beating. But he's also the ruler, creator, and sustainer of all that is to come. The one who died so that you might have life, so that you might be brought back to him, safe for a life to come under his perfect rule. And today we see that in him and him alone is fullness. Fullness of fellowship with the God of the universe. Fullness of forgiveness from all of the sins and evil you have ever done. And fullness of freedom to live a life the way you're meant to live under his rule. Will you come to him this morning, the supreme one, and find fullness? It's something you can do this morning. If you've been living with yourself as king in rebellion to God, this morning God is calling you back. If you've been living with guilt and shame for all the things that you've done, 
This morning, God is calling you back to find fullness of forgiveness. Will you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord? Will you find fellowship with God? Forgiveness from all your sins and freedom. Will you hand your life over to Him, the one who is the rightful and good Lord of all, and let Him run it? Will you join this worldwide, divine, life-changing movement? Will you come to the one who is supreme over everything? Will you come and find fullness of freedom, forgiveness, and fellowship? If that's something that you want to do, I want you to pray with me. I want you to speak to the God who rules over everything and say these three things with me. I'm sorry for the way that I've lived in rebellion to you. Sorry. Thank you for dying in my place so I could be brought back to you. Please help me to live with you as my Lord. Now, there's nothing magical in praying these three things. It's just you telling God what's been going on in your heart, that you want to come back to Him and live under His rule. If that's something you want to do, pray with me now as I pray. Bow your heads and pray. I'm sorry for the way that I've lived in rebellion to you. But God, I thank you for dying in my place so that I could be brought back to you. Please help me to live with you as my Lord. Amen. If that's something that you've done, that is incredible. You've come into a relationship with the one who is supreme over everything. You've found fullness, fullness of fellowship, forgiveness, and freedom. And if that's something you've done this morning, tell someone. Tell a leader. They have the same Lord, and they'd be stoked to hear you've joined God's family.